Hello, and welcome to the very, very first episode of the Science Basement Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Stephanie. Stephanie, tell us very quickly, what is the Science Basement? Okay, so the Science Basement is a group of young researchers from various fields, mostly right now in the natural sciences and medical sciences, and we're based in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, we joined because we have a purpose, which is to communicate science to the general public. That's what we're trying to do and trying to improve, and we're working on this. To do that, we have various uh, projects that are going on, and you can take a look more in our website, which is thesciencebasement.org, to look more into our uh, other projects. But right now, uh, this podcast, which we just started, our very first episode today, is part of this Science Basement. Which means that we also are uh, in the field, in some fields of science. So personally, I am a PhD student at the University of Helsinki in solar physics. And I'm also a PhD student from University of Helsinki, and I'm doing atmospheric science. And in each episode, we will have a guest, a different guest in different fields of science, and we will discuss with them and have fun. So for this first episode, we have first a question to our listeners. So do you know what this is? Well, if you don't know, don't worry, because we have our first guest who will tell us. So our first guest is Jonathan Alakönni, who works at the Division of Atmospheric Sciences at the University of Helsinki. And his research is about something that is quite unusual and one might say, might say beautiful. So welcome, Jonathan, and please Thank tell you. us about your research. Yes, uh, I am. Right now I have been working on some lake physics uh, because... I like lakes, so I study lakes. <laughs> and Finland has plenty of lakes, so I'm happy. Um, so what you just heard was data collected last winter from the Lake Kuivajärvi, where the University of Helsinki has a research station, mostly uh, concentrated on forestry and atmospheric sciences, but also uh, lake research. And this data was from something called thermistor chain, which is essentially a rope that has some thermometers attached to it. And these thermometers can record, uh, for example, waves inside uh, the lake. And this wave data I have now translated into sound. So wait a minute, what do I mean waves inside the lake? So, uh, just as in the surface you have waves, you can have waves happening in the inside of the lake. They are just not so visible for the human eye, of course. Uh, but because during the winter time, the lake is uh, so-called stra in a stratified state, which means that uh, it is stable. So the heaviest water, uh, which is at plus four degrees Celsius, is at the bottom. And then the coldest water, which is lightest and at the zero degree Celsius temperature, sits at the top. And... These layers do not mix together at all during the winter, but waves can still be uh, formed in there when the wind blows uh, through the ice cover and that tilts the water. And when it is released, it starts, uh, this wave starts propagating uh, back and forth through the lake, like in a bathtub, for example, when you tilt a bathtub and then you let it go, 
waves start going back and forth. Yeah, we usually tilt bathtubs all the time. So basically, what you what you recorded are, are not actual sounds. You just translated thermal vibrations into sound, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And uh, also because these variations are very very slow uh, compared to what our human ears hear. Uh, I had to speed up the data. Uh, this data was sped up by a factor of 100,000. So the whole winter is now compressed to an audio file of about one and a half minutes. Wow. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Would there be any other animal that would be able to hear the original data? Uh, maybe, possibly. Fish with their... Uh, what's it in English? The sense that fish have on their sides. They have this... Gills? No, or? not gills, uh, but they have this sort of uh, mm. sensation of feeling on their sides of them, which with which they can sense vibrations. But these are very slow. I, I'm pretty sure they won't be able to feel that. Uh, well, well, maybe I can also tell about uh, like what are the different various sounds you can hear in the file. Yeah. You hear the... Uh, like the constant humming sound there, uh, sort of like blowing into a bottle. Uh, that's the something called the sage wave, which is this. Um, it is this normal wave mode uh, that the lake always has, uh, and it has to do with the depth and the length of the lake, and that is lake specific, of course, the frequency of that wave. And then when we get later on in the winter. Uh, this more of a um, this this white noise kind of sound is heard, and that is uh, the mixing essentially, the breathing of the lake. Because when the lake mixes, the oxygen-rich waters from the surface get down to the bottom of the lake, and the oxygen-depleted waters from the bottom get to the up. And this happens when the lake reaches the plus four Celsius temperature. Okay, because obviously if the temperature is lower, then you have just a layer of ice on the surface and you can't exchange oxygen, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And also that the, the waters don't mix. The the water at the bottom stays at oh, the bottom yeah. and the, yeah, it's stable. That's so interesting. Like when you mentioned the first one, the sage, yeah. um, that it was this humming sound. And you said it's related to the depth and the length of the lake. Mm -hmm. That sounds a bit like a, like an instrument, perhaps? Uh, yeah, it's essentially uh, could be thought of as a similar uh, effect that a string of an instrument or, or a flute might have. They also have these resonant frequencies uh, that define the sound that comes off from a string, of, for example, of a violin. And similarly, yeah, it's it's a kind of like a bell maybe <laughs> or something That's like that. So cool. Have you heard other lakes? Mm, no, I have not had the opportunity to have data from other lakes or similar data from other lakes. But definitely, if I get some, I will be doing this similar representation of the data. And would you expect to hear the same exact like the same kind of sounds or maybe even the exact same sounds from different lakes? Probably, like even if, for example, you take a lake in very southern Finland and compare it with a lake in no, like in the extreme north of Lapland? Uh, well, in the very north, I would guess it would be more silent because there is 
because of the thicker ice and because there is almost no wind. Oh, uh, depends on the place. There can be plenty of wind, but it's it could still be. There are a lot less distractions in the water, which means that the water is quieter. It has less currents and less waves inside of it. But that would be interesting to see if there is any difference. Uh, why why this uh, way uh, these internal waves, uh, so called. Uh, are interesting in Lake Kuivajärvi has to do with uh, climate research. Uh, the contribution of lakes uh, to the global warming and the carbon cycle has not been studied too well and it is currently not taken into account in the climate models that are run for uh, for the climate change. So, uh, and these waves can uh, can make the lakes burp in a way, these uh, methane and, and CO2 from the bottom, which accumulate uh, into the bottom of the lake during the winter, when there is no oxygen and the biomass starts to uh, rot, is it the right yeah. word? Uh, it, it releases uh, methane and CO2 and they are trapped in the, at the bottom of the lake. But when the mixing starts to happen and these waves start to propagate in the lake, it can release quite suddenly uh, larger amounts of, of CO2. And in environments where there are plenty of lakes, for example, uh, Finland, Siberia, and northern Canada, this is very important. Okay. But definitely by doing this research, I think you are in probably one of the best countries for doing this yes. research. <laughs> like, yeah. Finland is known to be like the land of thousand lakes. Uh, I have a question about uh, the vibrations mm -hmm. that you can that you can measure mm -hmm. in the lake. So you said that these vibrate like these oscillations of of um, waves uh, caused by the wind mm -hmm. are very small, right? So shouldn't be like a bank of fishes swimming through the lake. Uh, shouldn't they give a much bigger vibration? Like, uh, yeah, there is. Uh... There I mean, don't course. they don't they interfere with what you're measuring? Yeah, they might they might interfere, and definitely there is some noise in the data from other sources than just the pure internal waves caused by wind. But uh, the sampling frequency, uh, meaning uh, how often we take the temperature in the chain, is one minute. So we are talking in the, these waves are in the scale of minutes and for example fish passing that thermistor would be in the scale of seconds, seconds yeah. so that is is uh, mitigated there and um, at least I hope there is not too much noise or otherwise I have been just measuring fish <laughs> I really hope I have not been doing that <laughs> do you have some sort of um, estimate of how much contribution the lakes are um, well contributing with the greenhouse gases uh, no, for that I, I cannot give a, any any sort of a number okay. for that. Sorry. <laughs> but and I also heard that you originally were not your background is not in lakes or in greenhouse gases or environmental science even. <laughs> no, no, my uh, my background originally was in the, uh, in astronomy here at the University of Helsinki, but then. Something happened, and now I study lakes. <laughs> <laughs> you decided that you like lakes more than you like stars. Maybe, or maybe uh, lakes are more easy to to reach. To reach, yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you can actually visit them and swim in them. And, yeah, <laughs> and you like can show them all your love, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
But so apart from measuring, making these temperature measurements, uh, what else do you do about lakes? Uh, I swim in them. I watch birds on them. (laughs) (laughs) I meant, meant, is your research only concerning these temperature changes in the waves? Uh, no, my, for example, my bachelor's thesis I done, uh, I did uh, about Lake Sanajärvi, which is at the thumb of Finland in the very northwestern part of Lapland. Uh, and there I was interested in looking at these very weak uh, currents that form in the lake when there are no, no distractions coming, uh, so no... Uh, the ice is thick and thus the wind affects very little and the ground and the sediment of the lake is cold so the sediment and the bottom of the lake is not heating the lake and thus causing disturbances and also because of the polar night there is no sunlight causing any disturbances or or currents in there and what i measured from there using uh, ctd casts so a ctd is a probe that measures the conductivity of the water and the temperature of the water as a function of depth. So uh, with these I was able to show that these very weak diffusion currents form in the bottom of the lake where the water starts to kind of creep up the walls of the lake and then return back to the bottom and at the very center. And this is extremely weak current and could not be seen uh, in any other situation. But a situation where no other forces are available for the water. Great. Now I think it's time to introduce you to the second part of Mm -hmm. our episode, which will be the science game. Or anyway, the science categories games. Or anyway, Stephanie, tell us more about it. You have to invent a name for the game. (laughs) We should definitely invent a name. This is the the game section, whatever it's called. Okay. So now we're going to play a game where we have five categories. I'll get into them in a minute, but they will be tailored to our guest. So we have some specifically chosen for you, Jonathan. Thank you. And what we'll do, because science is a collaborative effort, we're going to play together, not against each other. Um, We have five categories, which are conspiracy theories, items you take on a conference trip. And for who doesn't know who is a scientific conference, you can imagine uh, of it as... A big convention of nerds like us yes. who just gather together and and yeah we talk about what we what we do yes yep. presentation after presentation after presentation and lots of coffee yes um, <laughs> coffee breaks <laughs> names of lakes is the third one things found in a forest is the fourth and finally what not to do in an oral presentation so those listening you can also get a piece of paper and write them down and play with us we will have two minutes to find um, an answer to each of them. But here's a trick. There's a random letter generator, which Jonathan, you will click, and then you will generate a random letter. And we have to find a word that starts with that letter for every single category. Mm -hmm. And we have two minutes. Uh, So we have chosen uh, a specific alarm. For each guest? Yep. Yes. V. Would be our... Okay, so here's the paper. And we're going to start. If Erica can put the two minutes. Yeah. Oops, I closed, I closed the thing. Okay, starting now. Two minutes with V. Conspiracy theories. theories. 
Uh, well, obviously, visitors. Oh, <laughs> I would be visited, yes. Oh, something like visit. Oh, okay, yes. That's a great... Oh, well, we, we know that you like conspiracy theories. You have to be the best one at that. So, items to take on a conference trip. We can take va- va- Violin. vacation mood. Vacation. <laughs> vacation mood. <laughs> Put on so, your best vacation mood on. But definitely, scientific conferences are all about work and and definitely, definitely. Not, not, not vacation, vacation mood. Okay, but sorry. we can we can take that. Sorry, we can think about it later. <laughs> okay, things you find in a forest. Okay, or names of lakes. Names of lakes. Uh, names of lakes. You're again, know, looking yeah. at me. Uh, yes. <laughs> Va. Ta. Things you find in a forest. Yeah. <laughs> lake from uh, Karelia in Russia comes to mind, but very, very obscure lake. It has been studied quite a lot, but... Oh, <laughs> I yeah, just but remember. what is yeah, its yeah. name? Uh, I think it was... Vendros... Oh, God damn it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's something Vend- in Russia that we can't pronounce. Yeah. It's yes. something that we can't pronounce. It's, it's a yeah, we can... Russian version of it. Things found in a forest. Va- violins. Violets. Violets. Do you find violets in a forest? I don't know. Uh, are they forest? Maybe, I don't think <laughs> it's a forest flower. Violet. Birds, voodoo doll. <laughs> oh, but that would be scary. <laughs> you come to a you come to a fireplace in the forest and there's hey, just a Hey, I have a what not to do in an oral presentation. Oh, no. No. We can. That's acceptable. I had a, I had a great. Okay, one. well you can say it because you. Oh uh, yeah, that's okay. Vomit. But, oh, oh, that's yeah. a, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> but no, we went after the we went after the the timer. For us. Vomit, so th- that's th- of course so from the presenter, right? Vomiting yeah. right before. <laughs> vomiting. <laughs> uh, yes, it was Vendurskoya was the name of the lake. So ah, the I, one in Karelia. Yeah. One in Karelia, yeah. I remember reading about a few papers done there. so Or about it, not maybe written there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be nice as well. well yeah, it would be nice mm-hmm. to travel to a lake to write some papers. Let's go to round two, by the way. Oh, okay, yep. and I am... So round two is just another generating another letter and going through the going through the same categories. G! G. Okay, okay, G. Okay. okay. So, Erika, could you please start with oh, two Oh, I always forget about this. Yes. Two minutes. Um, Starting now. Okay. okay. Conspiracy okay. theories with G. G. Green mm. men. Okay, Green. that's the same that's as, it. as before. <laughs> <laughs> The little green man. What is the little green man? The visitors. The visitors. Why did I know about this no, the name naming? I don't know. Anyway, I uh, took a conference trip. Jeans. Jeans with jeans. Jacket. <laughs> I don't know what. Oh my god, okay. we, we are names of lakes. We are completely like blown up. Names of lakes. Okay, I don't know, but lakes. And you would, things you, you find in a forest. Uh, 
G is an easy letter, but no. Yeah, it's not at all. Thanks for Grass. Wait. Grass. <laughs> Why do I always like? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Grass is okay. Grass yeah, is yeah, okay. That's okay. That's okay. You like little green stuff. <laughs> yeah, also the green little man, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. What not to do in a conference, conference presentation? presentation. Uh, go, 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 go away. You don't go away. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like you, you don't just take and go away while you're supposed to be talking. Okay. Okay, okay. okay. I, I accept that. Like leave the room, you know, in that sense. Gossip. 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 Why, why should you gossip? Why, no, well, you can you can tell dirty <laughs> secrets about the uh, rival team studying oh, the yeah, same yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, sorry, oh, they, they have some good research, but I've heard things about their moms. So, yeah, gossip is much better. better. Reduce the credibility of the research. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, it didn't take a conference trip. We still didn't. Oh, oh and that is our Those time. two minutes were, were very, very quick. <laughs> okay. Oh, we didn't find a lake this time. We did better with V. Yeah. Grass. Well, but the V, the V no sounds. No conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. No conspiracy theories. Oh, and this was, this was your, your, um, the tailored one for you. Well, for me. And I, no, I'm completely <laughs> letting you down on this. <laughs> but why do you like conspiracy theories? What attracted you to them? Oh, well, conspiracy theories are are quite interesting. I mean, they are, uh, if, if not, nothing else, they are very interesting stories that usually have a kernel of truth in the middle, but then, then of course, lots of uh, uh, lines drawn from, from uh, and conclusions done from very little information in the beginning. But I, I, I really like the idea of going after the going after the truth the <laughs> hidden truth behind the, <laughs> the uh, behind what the scientists want to tell <laughs> yes, you yes yes now that I especially now that I feel that I am part of the people who create and hide <laughs> this stuff <laughs> all the dirty secrets about the lakes <laughs> that normal people are not ready to hear <laughs> <laughs> so about the green men and visitors what's your what's your where, where do you stand? Have we been visited? <laughs> oh, have we been visited? That's that's a. I, I definitely hope we have been visited, but uh, but I I can only maybe with some amount of certainty, or at least I, I believe so that there has to be a life somewhere else in the universe. But is it anywhere near? That's a completely different question. Yeah, I mean, I would say. I mean, I I believe there is life somewhere, but I don't think we have been visited. Okay, and then there's Drake's equation. It would be equation. really cool, though. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely be cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If they want to just destroy us, it's not probably so cool. But if we can become friends, yeah, best yeah. friends. Yeah, uh, this, from this Drake's equation, I can't remember all the parts of it. But So it was that it's likely that there isn't because we would have been contacted already or... Uh, well, Drake's equation is hard because you can get pretty much any result you want from there because there are so many uh, and those who do not know Drake's equation is this uh, estimation on how many civilizations are living in our galaxy right now and it takes into account the number of stars currently the birth rate of stars the amount of stars that have planets the amount of stars that have habitable planets the amount of habitable planets that have life on them and yada yada, yada all the uh, to, to, to the part where we really get to the sketchy parts like 
what percentage of life develops intelligence and mm. and uh, how long does an uh, like communicating civilization live in the universe we only have one example we have been industrial and maybe able to communicate over stellar distances for 50 60 years and already during that time we have already killed almost already killed ourselves several <laughs> times in different ways so uh, maybe not looking so good but de- depending on there and, and very credible numbers uh, can be fitted into the drake's equation and sometimes you get one which would be us and mm-hmm. sometimes you get like hundred thousand which is clearly wrong because we have no evidence of any yeah, other, yeah anyone else in here so Or that's what they want us to believe. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we are definitely covering from you guys. Yes. Okay, so round three, which is also the last one. And let's hope we, we are going to be better this time. Okay, so uh, Jonathan, could you please generate the third? Let's generate a letter. R. The R. And timer starts oh. now. Okay. Conspiracy, Conspiracy theory. Uh, uh, oh, no. I was thinking about that beetle that everybody says that is dead and he has been replaced, but that's not Ringo Starr, that's Paul McCartney. (laughs) 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 Okay, Uh, I need the conspiracy theories to you. I'm so bad at that. (laughs) For me, uh, this is... Yeah, I can't think of any. This is difficult. Uh, Maybe we can figure out something that we can... uh, together yeah uh, things think... you find in a forest might be rain oh, yeah or a rainforest or the, but that's a rainforest inside a forest okay, okay. Rainforest. <laughs> 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 uh mm. item, items take on a conference trip, trip. Uh, i'm just thinking about any kind of clothes you can you could have on raincoat Raincoat. Raincoat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> especially, especially if your conference is in a forest. Or Because in the forest it might rain. Rainforest, for example, <laughs> yes. So, raincoat. We, we, we will make it count, okay? Ruler. Raincoat. A ruler? No, right? No. <laughs> Unless you're in a geometry conference. <laughs> <laughs> Which there most certainly are. Several of. <laughs> oh, I really want to find a conspiracy theory with R. Mm. Ah. Reptilians! Reptilians! <laughs> nice! Oh, nice, yes! Nice, nice, nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, what not to do in an oral presentation? Read out of the slides. Oh, yes, yeah, read yeah, out of read. the slides. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, that's so bad. Yes. I hate when that happens. Yes. Also, because like sometimes you have these big slides which are like, you know, written in character font. 10 yeah font 10 and it's yeah, like the entire yeah. slide just written there. and i'm like yes. i can't make it to the end oh and it's over but we made it to the end well, uh, no, no well, names of lakes yet no names oh of we have no name of lake what well, i can't help with that well <laughs> and we and it's done the time is done yeah and yeah. we were very good with this one oh this this i'm so proud Red, that was that was really good i'm now i'm ashamed that i did not get that immediately <laughs> <laughs> the most evil of, the, of oh, all the conspiracies <laughs> what is that about is that also about visitors or not uh, no well, it's a, the reptilians are among us Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it depends on on who you who you ask. There are the there is the version where the reptilians are like an older civilization that has been living on Earth for millions of years already, okay. and they live underground and they have these these uh, 
like most of the, for example, American politicians are these semi lizard people, oh, okay. <laughs> and they can they're actually shapeshifters, so they can uh, turn into people people like uh, creatures, but they are definitely lizards from the inside, and they have yeah. to drink children's blood oh, to wow. live. Okay. <laughs> but then I, I don't know, maybe in some conspiracies they are visitors or somehow mingling with the grace maybe or the grace. <laughs> no, I, I, i've heard this this version that you just said which okay. is great so they're living under under the underground 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. because they are lizards okay yeah <laughs> yeah that was great and now i have one question about your research. So you mm-hmm. said that during your uh, bachelor's uh, studies for your thesis, you mm-hmm. traveled to, I will never remember the name, but to this beautiful lake in Sanayarvi. North... Sanayarvi. Yes. Huh? Sanayarvi. Oh, Sanayarvi. Yeah. Yes. To, to the north of Lapland. Uh, was it your only trip related to, to your field? Uh, oh, well, of course oh, you went uh, also to... to conferences. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, well, I visited a conference. That's the only time I've actually visited the Lake Kuivajärvi, which I was studying last summer uh, because of a conference there. Oh, you uh, were, okay. Yeah, and then I, there was a field course in Lammi, also studying lakes, Lake Pääjärvi there, which is... Uh, also, uh, the university has a research uh, station there. Mm-hmm. So you still haven't gone abroad studying like foreign lakes? Uh, no, no, I haven't. But will you? Uh, hopefully, yes. This uh, this winter, I hopefully will be on a trip to the to Inner Mongolia to study this wow. uh, very weird looking lake there. Uh, fairly large, like thirty kilometers by fifteen kilometers, but only uh, on average one point eight meters deep. And at the deepest point, 2.2 meters. So, yeah, one spot where we can drown. <laughs> but plenty of fish and plenty of birds and very important to the ecosystem and the people. Oh, that sounds there. super, super interesting. In the winter, so Mongolia will be fairly cold, I assume. Yeah, one would assume so. <laughs> and it will be doing dry, the same also. profile, like temperature profile. Uh, yeah, yeah, they have been doing the temperature chain uh, data there. And it revealed some interesting dynamics of the lake. And the next winter, we are going to study about the, uh, mostly the, because they only measured the temperature, but it clearly is very uh, salty lake. So, and the saltiness of the water affects at which temperature the water is the heaviest. And that, because normally it's around at plus four, but if it's... uh, Saltier, it can be at plus two, for example, and then that affects the dynamics of the lake. And there seem to be several mixings happening throughout the winter in there, and at weird temperatures, which would tell us about the salinity. But they had not measured the salinity yet, so that's at least something we will be looking after in there. And probably also some radiation and energy balance things. So that's definitely one lake that also um, freezes during the winter, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. And what would you expect, like for example, if you if you have to travel to to Italy or to Spain uh, to to study lakes, like they don't freeze at all yeah. during winter. So do you still have this mixing of the waters? I would say, right? Uh, uh, yeah, lakes can be classified 
by how many times they mix during the year. Uh, so in Finland, the lakes usually usually are called dimictic, so they mix twice a year, spring and in the autumn. But then, if the climate is warmer, then it might only be that the lake goes through one mixing a year. Uh, so then it would be called monomictic, and well, depending on the depth, it can also be polymictic, uh, meaning that wind can induce the mixing there. It doesn't have to be this temperature change in the water, but that wind can just blow over it and mix all the waters in there. Or it can be uh, meromictic, uh, meaning that it does not mix or it does not mix completely. For example, that there is a layer of very salty water at the bottom, which can never mix with the waters above it because mm. of the difference in densities such uh, it's so strong that they never mix yeah so now now i get what you're saying because by intuition i would have said that uh, since in finland you have lakes which are basically half of the year completely frozen mm. you you basically have one mixing or like very very little mixing mm. while in a lake where you in a lake that doesn't uh, freeze at all you have like constant mixing but with what you just pointed out now, I understand that the mixing is not because uh, because you have free water, but it's because you have big temperature changes, right? So, in, of course, in a lake that doesn't uh, change its temperature that much because we have always like good mm-hmm. weather, yeah. then you don't have big temperature gradients within a lake, yeah. so you don't mix water. Yes, yes. Oh, and then you... I got uh, it. Yeah. So, the, the mixing happens when the top of the lake, the surface of the lake, uh, goes to the temperature of the maximum density. So then the, the water just essentially drops to the bottom and then replaces the water at the bottom and ma- forces the bottom water to come up uh-huh. from, the, from there. I, I like how you uh, equalize the good weather and warm weather. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, warm, warm weather. Okay, warm weather. Okay, it's going. It's going to snow in here already. So uh, I, I, I'm kind of against the snow right now. <laughs> but thank you very much for this very nice conversation and thank also you. for the fun we had during our little game. And now we are ready thank to go to the, the questions and everything. <laughs> thank you very much. And, and we definitely learned something, right, Stephanie? Yes. Actually, I was going to ask you: Is there somewhere, or will it be in the future, that we can look? Or go and rehear your sound that you're producing from your lakes. Will you actually make a collection of it now that you go to Mongolia? Uh, maybe. Good idea. <laughs> but I don't, I don't. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can share it through your channels or okay. something. I don't so know. Stay yeah. tuned if you want to to hear the difference between a Mongolian lake and a Finnish lake. Yeah, that that would be that would be super interesting to to listen to. So I was saying, now we are ready to go towards the final part of our podcast, which will be every week a different science anecdote. So we will say, we will just tell you a story about something funny or or interesting that happened in science. And this time, since we are three physicists, I we decided to talk about a famous cut in physics, which is not Schrödinger's cut, because everybody knows about him. Yeah, so and we, we don't want to discriminate against other cats, which are which are definitely smarter. I'm sure this cat is so much smarter than Schrödinger's car, cat. 
The name of this beautiful cut is, I mean, I don't know if it was beautiful, but anyway, it's called F.D.C. Willard. And it was owned by the American physicist and mathematician Jack Hetherington from Michigan State University. In 1975, this guy wanted to publish his research into, um, in the journal Physical Review Letters, and he was studying in the field of low temperature physics. And he sent this paper to a colleague before he would submit this paper to the journal for review. And his colleague made him notice that he wrote the entire paper using uh, the first per person plural, so we, in the text, while he was the only author. And at that time, they didn't have computers, of course, so it would have taken a big, like a long time to rewrite the entire article. So he decided to just make up a new, a new author. And so this was only because the, pay, the journal would have rejected his paper uh, on the basis of this first-person plural. So he simply decided to include his cat as co-author of the paper. And he had this cat named Chester, and he called him F.D.C. Willard after the species name of the cat, which was Felix Domesticus. And is the real name of the cat, Chester, and from that we get FDC. And the surname, Willard, was the name of the cat's father. So actually this paper was published on Physical Review Letters in 1975 with the name 2, 3, and 4 atom exchange effects in BCC helium-3. And apparently there are gossips that say that when all this thing was discovered, the cat Chester was invited to join the university's physics department full-time. Wow, that's, that's luckier than most scientists right now. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to remind you that if you feel depressed because you're not going well in your field or in science, think that there is a cat who has bigger publish, publish, like, oh, that's, publishes that's, than you. I'm sure that will make us feel much better. <laughs> there is a cat who has published in physical review letters. I, 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 I haven't. <laughs> But that, actually, it's, it's very interesting, this thing about the we, because... Yeah, I mean, because now if we write a paper with, like, single author, we still use we. Yeah, it's this thing about this collective... Science being sort of a collective effort, I think, some, yeah. as well. And, yeah, and also, I don't know, but if I, write, if I had to write a paper, like, just by myself, and then write I... All the time, yeah. I would feel it like a bit pretentious, probably. And somehow, like, yeah, I, I, I've done I, this yeah. and I think this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I also think it uh, kind of spreads the blame. If, if there is something horribly wrong in your paper, then <laughs> someone, and someone corrects it, that, that tells that that you all there <laughs> writing this paper <laughs> were idiots and instead of you. <laughs> you <laughs> definitely yeah. only you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's also part of it, isn't it? That I, Rarely would you do science by yourself because it is you need people to you know to check what you're doing as well and support, even if it's yeah, just yeah, and the support. writing of it yeah, yeah and support your research yeah, yeah. so i don't think we, i don't think we would at least i haven't read a paper where it's only one person oh yeah i've done mm. i've done that but they all brought we <laughs> okay I, I hadn't interesting i think that's i have seen that in the humanities but not yet in the natural yeah, sciences quite rare maybe nowadays that anyone would anyways in natural sciences write a paper completely on their own but okay, so thanks for thanks everybody for this first episode. Thank I think you. we did Thank well, you. guys. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan, for being our very first guest. Thank you. <laughs> if you have also um, any other questions, you can write to us. Okay, so first you can contact us through Twitter at Science Basement. 
So the handle is at Science Basement. In Instagram, you can find us at science underscore basement. And you can write us an email, thesciencebasement.helsinki at gmail.com. So you can write to us to give us um, any suggestions, comments you have, or questions for Jonathan, and we'll pass them on. And now we can leave you to our beautiful jingle that was written for us by Avelok, which is a very talented band from Sheffield, UK. So thank you, Avelok, and goodbye, everybody. See you in two weeks. Yay! Goodbye. The science is